All righty, everybody. Welcome back to Red-Blooded Outdoors. Coney, what you been doing? Oh, you know, just working. Just working. We've been fishing a lot, too. Right. We fished three or four times last week. Yeah, we've probably caught about 12, 15 bass in the last week. Me and you went fishing the other day, caught two at the same time, and your pole broke. We got a a guest here with us, Mr. David Baraka. Did I say your last name right? It's close enough. Uh, Have you been doing any fishing lately? I wish. I've I've been, uh, I love to fish, and uh, uh, I haven't wet a line in a couple years now. We've been so busy with our new life up here in the mountains, but uh, I love to fish, but I don't get to fish as much as I'd like to. Right, right. Cooney, have you ever seen Bigfoot? I have never seen Bigfoot. Have you ever been in the woods and seen something you couldn't explain? I don't believe so. Hmm. I've seen some things I I couldn't explain, but I can't say that I believed them to be Bigfoot. Uh, but we've got David on here, and David, are you the owner director? I didn't ask you that. I apologize. Of Expedition Bigfoot in Blue Ridge, Georgia. Yep, my wife and I both built it, and we run it. Okay, you built it. What? Tell us a little bit about yourself, David. Um, I'm 59 years old. I was raised. I'm an ex-military, uh, my dad's ex-military, so we bounced around in military bases I was growing up. But I spent most of my youth in Miami back in the 70s, and that's when I started hearing about the Florida skunk ape on uh, TV. I was reading in the newspapers. Uh, they'd be in magazines. There was documentaries. I was I was absolutely taken aback by this because I, at the time I was in probably middle school, I guess, when I started hearing about this. And everything they taught me in middle school uh, conflicted 100% with what these witnesses were saying they saw. And I I think even at a very young age, I started to have serious doubts about um, my formal education, the the accepted education I was getting. Because these people were so believable. And I think that's where the the fascination and interest started because – uh, it was they just it just didn't fit with what I was being taught. Right, right. Well, I, I had the opportunity to to visit the museum uh, in Blue Ridge a few weeks ago, and uh, now, like I said, I, 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 we ain't looking for debate. But me being a, a Bigfoot skeptic, I was absolutely blown away with the artifacts that are in there, and it, that that. That may sound contradictory, but I believe those to be artifacts of the Bigfoot research. And I really enjoyed the museum. My wife enjoyed the museum. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about the museum? There's, there's a particular scripture that I've seen in there that I'd like to get to, too. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about the museum? Yeah, sure. Um, we opened, well, we, my wife and I moved up here to the North Georgia mountains from uh, the uh, west coast of Florida about eight years ago, I guess. And we were going to have a nice, quiet country life. And we built a little hobby farm here. I went back to the restaurant business and uh, people kept asking me when I was in the restaurant business in Blue Ridge, um, hey, what's a nice, fun thing to do with our kids? And and uh, we tell them there's a few orchards you can go to. But time after time, I kept realizing that there just wasn't enough interesting things for the family to do together up here. And uh, I kept wishing somebody would open up a little family attraction up here. And being such a huge fan of Disney growing up in Florida and all the old 
Florida attractions that my dad, my mom and dad took us to when we were young, Monkey Jungle, Parrot Jungle, and Seaquarium, and the zoos. And there were just so many fun things in Florida to do that I had this background in my brain of the things I enjoyed doing when I was younger. I said to my wife, oh, we sat down, we sketched a few things out, and we realized that we could fit my interest, because I was an active BFRO investigator, Bigfoot research investigator, for the state of Florida, and then I was in Georgia, and I already had a bunch of artifacts. So we kind of figured out we could just build this little museum, and uh, we kind of just took a, a jab at it, and that was about five years ago. And we went from 23,000 visitors to our first year to here we are in our fifth year, and now we're up to 75,000 visitors. Wow. And uh, open seven days a week. And um, so I think I was very fortunate to have so many experiences as a, as a, a kid and some great family-themed attractions. Right. And I, and, I, and I appreciated them. I appreciated there was nothing too scary in there, and it was everything was there was a lot of family values in there, which is what my wife and I are both very strong, feel strongly about. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be horrifying or gory. It has to be something that the whole family can come to and enjoy. And uh, we're right. very fortunate to have that background. My dad's, my, 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 my wife's dad, my father-in-law, was a retired Florida State Park Ranger. And uh, so I got a lot of inspiration from him, him as well. Right, right. Well, like I said, that, and I think you hit the, the nail on the head it was real enjoyable it was totally a family atmosphere in there and uh me and my wife really enjoyed it and it was one of there was two video rooms i remember in there where where you could watch a video it's also a research facility though correct i mean people can call in if you've got a bigfoot sighting you can report it to y'all is that not correct yeah, Cornbread, we, we get so many reports. A lot there's a there's a false thinking out there that the sightings are rare, but in fact, um, even when I was in Florida doing research, there was five between five and seven investigators. We couldn't keep up with the reports that were kind of daily. Now that I moved to Georgia, there's some days. Uh, one Saturday, I got eight walk-ins, eight walk-in uh, Bigfoot reports in Georgia. Right. By, by the end of the day, I was afraid to ask anybody if they'd seen a Bigfoot because my mind could not <laughs> accept anymore. And, and, and that's when we finally came to the realization that the, the sightings of these things are not actually rare. Right. It's uh, somebody finding an investigator to tell their story to, and then it gets posted so people can read it. That's the rare part. Right. I, I'd seen uh, y'all had a map in there, and we live in Paulding County. And the map sort of uh, had like one sighting or repeated sightings and whatnot. And I noticed in our county, county, that uh, it was marked up for repeated sightings. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah. Huh? I mean, I ain't never seen one up here. Well, buddy ours on the WMA said he's seen a hut. I do remember that. That, that he believed was built by... A Bigfoot Sasquatch. He said it had all kinds of bones laying around the outside of it. And right. He that, went back in there and found what pine trees snapped off. They build huts, David, like shelters. Yes, they do. I had a fellow come in here, and uh, when he he was probably in his mid forties, him and his brother saw one. I think it was in Minnesota. And uh, this, the, people find huts all the time, but this here's an interesting short story. And they and, and this thing walked through the corner of their yard. And when they were, they were young, they had no idea what they were looking at. This would have been some time in the 70s, I'm guessing. 
and they fouled this thing through the woods at a distance and uh it was this big hairy man and it went into an old abandoned uh what do you call it? train tunnel right the trains never used anymore and uh when the kids kids went in there again they had no idea they weren't fearful because they'd never heard of a bigfoot they just thought it was some kind of a big monkey and they followed this thing in there. and in this abandoned tunnel there was this structure it had built it it was like a hut and uh and it was not in there it must have walked all the way through the tunnel or, or figure out the boys are behind them and they went and got the sheriff and the sheriff they called the police and the police came and the press came and they took pictures and the two kids two this grown men said me and my brother they the press came and they took pictures of this hut that this thing had built inside there and the sheriff came and there was an investigation right. like it's crazy that we don't hear about this stuff but he says i my grandmother has the clipping at her house about this hut that it had built and uh they found they cast footprints so the um, the amount of stories out there, including these strange structures they build, there's so many of them out there. But people, for some reason, uh, well, the press doesn't really want to talk about it now. They want to keep it all tamped down. And right. uh, people just, it, when you do a little bit of digging, I mean, a little bit, you would be shocked as to how many incredible stories there are like this. Right. Uh, and, and so yeah. And this this culture, I'm I'm assuming that now I don't know uh, the. What did I see on TV? Squatchers, people that look for Bigfoot. All, I'm, uh -huh. I'm assuming all that has sort of exploded just the way duck hunting did when Duck Dynasty come out. When those shows started coming on about Bigfoot, I'm, I'm assuming that the culture itself has exploded. Am, am I incorrect in saying that? Yeah, so yeah, and, and, and you know, it's actually a great thing to touch on too because. Um, the, there's a, there is this personality celebrity culture that goes along with the TV shows, and uh, Bobo. I think a lot. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That, that one guy named Bobo's who everybody talks about. That big old tall guy. Yeah. So actually, Bobo, he, he is he is a legit researcher. That guy has devoted a lot of his life to looking into the to the facts of these things. So if there was any of the celebrities to talk to. Right. Believe it or not, I think Bigfoot has a more or Bigfoot Bobo has a more humble and um, honest approach to it. Where a lot of other people, they just fall in love with the celebrity status of it, and and really quickly, it's more about their celebrity status than it is about finding out the truth behind this phenomenon. Right. 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 So <clears throat> when we talk. David, you, you said you was a Christian. I, let me thank you for your military service real quick before I forget. I appreciate you serving our great country. Thank uh, you, sir. Um, so I had seen some scripture uh, on the wall in there mm -hmm. of the museum. Proverbs 25, 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings to search out a manner, a matter. You want to talk about... Uh, about your faith, David, and your correlation with Bigfoot, anything you want to touch on any of that? Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and it's actually super important that um, I was raised a Christian. I was uh, went to Catholic school. I was an altar boy uh, when I grew up. When I grew up in Florida, come from a Christian background. But as I as I grew up, joined the military, and 
and uh, I was a bartender for like 20 years after I got out of the military. I, I kind of my faith kind of was in the background, even though I, I still prayed. Um, I really wasn't living a, a good Christian life, I think. And I think that happens for a lot of young guys when they they get out into the world. You know, it's such a big world. And um, and, and anyway, when I even though I was still interested in Bigfoot, I, I was kept thinking I was looking for an ape when I was younger. And then uh, as I got as my as my kids grew and I started looking into this more when I became a, an investigator, started talking to people about the things they were seeing. I realized that this is not possible. These things are not possible, and it's not big only Bigfoot that people are seeing. They are seeing other uh, animals out there in the woods, and they're, it's really coming to light now. And none of these creatures are are possible without a creator. And uh, and I think when that really hit me in my it, 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 the study of these things brought me right back to my faith. And, uh, and I think that happens to a lot of researchers because you realize that man is is so outclassed by these animals. These Bigfoot creatures that are out there, they're so much faster, they're so much they're so much stronger. And that, and that people who doubt, and I'm telling you, I interview hundreds of people every year. And I, I am not talking about just, you know, s- simple folks that, uh, hitchhike or flip hamburger somewhere i'm talking about i i, I interview um, active military retired military hospice nurses doctors um people in local government lots and lots of police officers people that have no reason to travel all the way to the museum to tell me an incredible story pastors priests uh, i just came I, I just can't tell you about the quality of the people that I talked to absolutely amazing, honest people with stories that would that would blow your mind. I'm talking about way more stuff than I just saw across the road. These things performing very strange abilities, and it takes you right back to the Bible, back to the Nephilim. And even though like, I didn't want to jump right back there, right? I had pastors come in that had seen these things and wrestled with it. Free many pastors come in. And they wrestle with it, and it takes them right back. And they actually help me understand what other people were seeing. So I'm not there. It isn't like an easy path, uh, and it, it, there aren't is like a path of easy answers. But anybody that thinks that a God that created this solar system and this amazing intricate—if you think you you think God has just created us and that we're the simple creation of God—you have to understand just the complexity of the movement of the planet we live on when you try to understand how the earth rotates on its uh, on its axis and then how it spins in orbit in relation with the other planets and then in relation with the sun when, when you try to even understand that it's so difficult right right yeah and, and when when you even then you understand how incredibly gifted uh, our creator is to be able to make these things. If you think we're it, like us humans, right? That just 200 years ago we were still wiping our rear ends with our hands. We're the apex of his creation. You don't think there's anything else out there that he created? You're really putting God in a box. And I think to to only consider that we're the top of creation, you're really short selling our creator. I think he's um, capable of much more. Than just creating humans and that is my personal opinion 
and that's an opinion I've come through by interviewing hundreds of people. Right, right. What? Um, so, you give us some Bigfoot experiences you've had yourself in either being in finding artifacts, in person sightings, uh, something of something of that nature. Yep. So uh, I, I'll give you a few. I'll give you a, a, the short story to my, our experiences, and that's because the, the experiences that people come to me with are much more fantastic than my own. It just happens to be where you're at and which Bigfoot you run into. We had instances where um, my wife and I were called to an investigation in Alva, Florida, back in I think 2010, and there was a commercial fisherman. It was a fisherman, and he would catch so much fish. He'd come home. And he would just clean up his fish and leave his, his parts and fish heads and guts laying around. He wasn't very good about cleaning it up. And uh, anyways, he kept having these things come on his property, thinking that it was just like uh, um, raccoons or something. But until the middle of the night, the light went off, his security light, and his roommate woke up screaming. There was a giant hairy person looking in there. He grabbed his gun and chased across the backyard with the lights on and he was in his underwear with a gun and this thing jumped right over a, a four or five foot fence without even breaking stride just started snapping trees and he realized what he was looking at so my wife and i were there the next day set up tent had our thermal and he says man these things really come out and they can smell the fish he threw some fish on a smoker and uh within three hours i guess we could see two of them looking from deep in the swamp looking at us peeking at us from behind trees with their arms behind the trees and we so we watched them for 11 12 minutes we were bluff charged i was bluff charged by one of the green swamp when i was doing wood knocks i was checking my cameras and uh i i never saw it but i don't it sounded like there was a tank back there and it was marching out from the woods to my location i was out there by myself and then my wife and i were in Toria. we had one put a Toria state park which is up in the panhandle of florida we had one push a tree down at us when I was doing the same thing. I was doing wood knocks in the middle of the day. And uh, I mean, it sounded like the tree was 100 feet away from us. And uh, yet we couldn't see anything. And you can tell when a, a, an old tree is falling. I've had you know limbs fall down. This just sounded like somebody had was pushing down a green tree. You could hear snapping and popping and like fighting the whole way. And we were way out in the woods. There's nobody around there. Right, and, right. Uh, and then another time we were, um, I think it was the same, might have been the same day or the day after. We knew they were in there. We only go to places we know there's Bigfoot. We don't go cold squash anymore. And then uh, I think another time her and I were looking for footprints. We've been setting up cameras along this creek that we knew they were using to come in and out of. And uh, we could hear, my wife said, what is that? And we're standing there listening. We can hear something up on the hill stomping around you could it was big you could feel whew, you could hear it step step in and breaking branches and we strained and looked and looked up on this hill and we couldn't see anything there's no people up there we know this area very well there was, there was no trail up there and uh, but we could not see anything right so um all these instances together you know we knew we were having some kind of strange interaction possibly with these things but the real clincher for us was is really talking to people that see these things in broad daylight and uh we told we've, we've interviewed people that have been picked up and thrown by these things and they're and they're crying when they're telling you um so we talked to a lot of good people that 
it, it isn't off in the distance. It's not, you know, a faint, blurry thing. This is right in their face, reaching in the car and grabbing them. Police officers that shoot them and see the hair moving on their chest as the bullet penetrates, they can hear the thud. They're hunters, right. and, and, and it doesn't even it, it doesn't even flinch. It just looks at them like it wants to kill them. Interesting. So those are those are really the uh, amazing stories. It's not it's not all Bigfoot road crossings. It's right. the uh, amazing interactions that, that that come that really make your brain work at night when you're trying to go to sleep. Right. Uh, um, thinking back to what you said a while ago with the correlation of faith, and uh, I was giving my, my, myself some time to, to process everything you said. Do, do, you, do you find that a lot of people you come in contact with uh, that have either don't believe in Bigfoot or are skeptical have a problem with it because of their faith? Have you got any kickback because of that? You think you think we would. And as a matter of fact, when we first opened up, my wife said to me, she goes, what happens if I'm working by myself and somebody comes in here and wants to argue with me about this? And I thought, you know what? Let's just let's just wait. Let's just wait and see what happens. And cornbread, it so rarely happens. Right. I, mean, I bet you in the five years we've been open, I bet you I can count five really hard heads that have been in there uh but what in fact it, it seems like a lot of people that we do talk that have seen these things have have already had a strong foundation in their faith and because they did they started looking immediately to the bible for answers right uh, the genesis uh the talk about giants and of course dave polites uh, he's an author he's written several books he, even one of his books uh, I think it's called Giants and Wild Men. Uh, he's got a whole book about all these giant skeletons that were found during when they were creating the United States. You know, when they were taking the, the pioneers were uh, digging up the ground and plying up the ground and planting farms. And they were making cities and and uh, and stretching irrigation canals for for um, large farms. And they were digging up all these giant skeletons. Yeah, I, b- I believe I believe I read somewhere they dug up a bunch of giant skeletons in Kentucky. Yes. way way back in the day. And 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 you, and you have to ask yourself how how can we have all? And he's got a whole book of them, almost every state. And then they dig them up in other countries as well. How can we have all of these different stories and not one single one of these skeletons is on display anywhere when it clearly states in the newspaper article? Some of them with the name of the representative from the Smithsonian Institute that came to pick up the skeleton, to take it back so they can study it. How is it that we don't have one single one of these skeletons uh, for us to see? And, and the answer is, it's the same answer when people ask us, well, we surely, we would have a body by now. When the actual answer is, there is no body for you to see. There's no body for us to go see. They do have bodies. I've talked to people that have hit them with cars and killed them. And they and people come in and take the body. So, uh, not people, but uh, certain agencies will come and pick up the bodies. Uh, it happened here in Georgia back in 1987 in Cochran, Georgia. Somebody hit a five foot little one. It they killed it, knocked it on the side of the road. People were coming out of the farms looking at it. And back in the mid 80s, they didn't have phones on our cameras on their cell phones. 
these were simple rural people. And a couple of the farmers looked at it and said, so that's what the hell's been killing my cattle. That's what's been getting into my chicken coop. And they all went back to their to their to their homes. They called the DNR. The witness gave me the name of the DNR officer. He called, and uh, he talked to the DNR officer, and he told him, "I have no idea what it is, but uh, we've sent it off to somebody to go study it." Unfortunately, that DNR officer has passed away. I got his name. I did a background search. He was married. His wife's passed away. They didn't have any kids. There really is. It, there's the trail to follow that up is dead. Um. But yes, so there are skeletons and there are bodies, but there are not any for, uh, for us to see. And that should make uh, critically thinking people ask themselves, why? Why is that? And there is a reason for it. Um, and, and unfortunately, well, I, you have to make up your own mind why that is. Right, right. Well, I mean, I think it was just in 2020, there was all over the world, new, there's new species found every year uh and that that was sort of the road i was going to go down on the next discussion here i mean there was a lemur found a different type of monkey a large different viper that was found in india uh you know those already being species that are already uh classified but adding to something else yeah uh but now when, when we put in the uh and and don't take what I'm saying wrong because somebody might say, well, old cornbread, now you're putting on your tenfold hat. When we put in the factor that somebody may come and take this from you does raise some suspicion on what in the world would be going on to begin with. Uh-huh. Do, do you – let's talk about trail cams because I, I don't even have an idea of how many thousands, million – of trail cams are out all over this country but yep. I, but I've, I've yet to see a definite picture of a what i consider to be a big foot but now i'll also say you're all the time getting people getting pictures of mountain lines in georgia and the dnr will say no it's not a mountain line i i mean i've, I've seen them do that what yep. what about what about some trail cam evidence Yes. Yeah, so, uh, and, and actually, I've done some research. I've tried to find the number of cornbread of how many trail cams are out there, and that's a very that, that you just can't find that number. So, um, I think it just in twenty in one year there were like four hundred ninety thousand manufactured. That was just in one year. So, I we can safely assume easily that there's a million trail cams out there clicking away. In the United States, at any given hunting, uh, just before hunting and just after, so there's got to be at least a million trail cams out there in the woods. I've got I've got up to like twelve out there at a time. Right. And these are places where Bigfoots are spotted regularly. And, and when hunters tell me what, and I listen to them because hunters know what's out there. They know if there's bears out there. I, I have a lot of research. I don't hunt, even though I have hunted in the past. I just don't have time to hunt. Um, I listen to them. I learn a lot of things from Hunter. I interview a lot of hunters that have seen these things, and they are absolutely correct. There is no way these things can be as dispersed across the United States, and we do not have a trail cam pic- picture. It is absolutely correct. They have a very valid point, and my answer to that is just because these things are not what we think they are. 
And that's why science won't look at them. That's why they hide the bodies. That's why there's no skeletons for us to go see. I, I can't tell you what I think they are, but I can tell you this preposterous silliness that they are just a relic hominid, a leftover human, a rare um, offshoot of humanity that's out there in the woods. It is 110% incorrect. It is not accurate because they are spotted in all kinds of colors. They're blonde, they're brown, they're black. They have different facial features. There's females, there's little ones. They're seen in groups as big as seven or eight in a group, two, three standing around. We're not talking about something rare here. We're talking about something with a vast gene pool to have this many, even their footprints are different kinds of strange footprints. When you see a black bear, except for minor variations and a black bear and a deer and strange colorings, they pretty much look like a bear. Same thing with deer. You know what I'm saying? When these right. mammals are out there, these these big uh, these Sasquatch creatures, they have this crazy varying uh, physical characteristics. Are, are you speaking? Are you speaking okay. like different types of races of Sasquatch? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't 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 be. When I first started this. I didn't understand any of that. But when I started interviewing hundreds of people, it wasn't like I didn't lay in bed and go, think of these things up. This is all from firsthand witness interviews. And and when I started first hearing about uh, subspecies, like that's ridiculous. They're rare enough. Don't tell me there's enough to have subspecies. Well, there is. And then you understand that uh, when, when you talk to hunters – um, with trail cams and there are and, and I'm sure there are trail cam pictures out there but some people just keep it to themselves they don't want anybody on their hunt lease property so a lot of hunters and people with private property in, you know, in rural areas they don't want a hundred investigators in the government on their land so when they get a, if they do get a picture of a Bigfoot you think they're going to go out there and go hey I got this great picture of a Bigfoot on my 200 acres they know what's going to happen they're, oh, man, they're, they know what's going to happen. They're going to have all kinds of people traping around. Government people are going to be in their life. Uh, so they're smart. They just hush it up, stick the picture under their – in an envelope somewhere. Um, th there's a lot of trouble and a lot of baggage involved if you ever got a good picture. And I've had people call me and say, hey, two different guys call me, and they're on their property. They hunt on their property. And one of them shot one, and he found the patch with blood where it all rolled around in there. And he says, if I shoot it again and I kill it, will you help me market it? I told him, hell no, I'm not going to help you market it. I said, don't ever call me again. I said, if you think that the powers to be are going to let you march out in front of the TV cameras with a dead fit Bigfoot body, my friend, you don't understand how the real world works and uh, how powerful they will be to shut you up and make your life very unlivable. So if you want to do that, go right ahead. But I said, just lose my number because I know my I know the limitations when it comes to this stuff. So I'm I, I, from from talking to everybody you talk to. I mean, let, let's say Cooney goes out here in the backyard, and uh, I'm not taking nothing away from a Bigfoot being able to swallow up an arrow or anything. But let's say Cooney kills a Bigfoot with his arrow, mm -hmm. and he gets a picture, and we put it on Facebook. I mean, from your experience in talking to people, I mean, we're talking, you believe the U.S. government is going to be here within hours? I mean, is that 
is what you is what you're saying is that serious? I mean, if we if we was to find a Bigfoot body, then then we're gonna we're gonna have some uh, some government up on up on us. Yeah, I have I have no doubt that's gonna happen, and I have never been visited. Thank God, I have never been visited because I make it plainly known on my on uh, any of my postings that I think bringing a body into the into the to the world to prove to the world that these things are real is is uh, not a good thing. I think we should leave it right where it's at, where people that think they're real or have uh, uh, have sightings. If you want to believe them, you can believe them. I don't like people ridiculing them, right. but uh, there is there's no doubt that if you ever had a Bigfoot body, and I it, that you would be visited there's and you won't be visited by some nice nice guys knocking on your door pleasantly asking. You're gonna probably be visited by somebody very very nasty, right? And um, if you and I've always said I I don't have the I don't have the uh, intestinal fortitude to try this, but if you think I'm kidding you. Uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, if, you, if you want to test a theory, go ahead and, and uh, do a hoax, make up, cook up this hoax that I got you got on your party, post it out there on Facebook, and then after two weeks, say I finally got it, put it out there on Facebook, put it out there on one of the big uh, Bigfoot uh, web webs. There's a couple of big ones like Bigfoot Community. I have no doubt that there are people that watch these things in higher places. Tell you, tell them you got a body and you got the bloody area. Uh, and tell me you got pictures and you're going to blow it out. And if you, if you don't think if you think I'm kidding, just do that and then uh, see if you get a visit by some very very nasty people. Um, just go ahead and do it. That's what there, I say. If you if you want to try it, go ahead. I'm not going to try it. There there was I think there was two guys up in up in North Georgia uh, that might have been close to y'all. Yep. I can't remember if it was Gilmer or Murray County. It was Gilmer. Yep. Was it? And right. Claimed to have one in their freezer. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know whatever come of it, but I do remember seeing that they claim to have a, a Bigfoot body in their freezer. You know anything about that? I do, and it, it, all action ha- happened right up here. And this is before I moved up here. And for the longest time, if you Google Bigfoot in Georgia, that thing always popped up. Uh, that whole hoax ever. I've never met. His name was Rick Dyer, and I can't remember who the other guy was. And um, I, I can't for the life of me. I don't understand what, what could possibly possess somebody to try to pull something like that off. Right. Um, uh, there, I've heard other people say that they really did get a real one, but the government stepped in. I don't know any if that's true, but I know that ever since this happened, he is he is uh, he has done more hoaxes. This Rick Dyer character. So uh, I don't know why people want to do the stuff they do he's not the only one that's ever done that kind of stuff but it's plainly obvious now that the whole thing was a hoax he got in a lot of trouble for tax not paying taxes on something so right um i don't but i do know i've talked to enough ufo witnesses that have been visited uh by people by agencies and some of the agencies were very uh, strange agencies so uh i'm not i like my life well yeah yeah, I, I like where I live. I do not feel the need to stick my neck out to try to prove to a lot of people that really don't care about Bigfoot that Bigfoot's real, so that I can I can lose my livelihood and I don't get to see my granddaughter and my grandkids. I like my life here, so right. 
uh, I just don't see the point of making a lot of misery for myself. Right. Well, you know, in in, in that culture itself, I mean, I'm I'm sure there's some people that uh, that are staying flat footed and and is probably labeled as conspiracy theorists, but are hardcore trying to figure out why in the world, if and in of it is that case that the U.S. government is hiding that. Have you talked to any of those guys and uh, gotten any indulgent on anything like that? So I, I've spoken to some active military and retired military, and uh, without being too specific, because I promised to keep their story quiet and the places they were at were quiet. But to to quote a uh, naval aviator from a, a, a base around here. His boss told him upon retirement that he saw things in um, in a place in Utah. He saw things that where the military was at that challenged his understanding of reality, and uh, it changed this young aviator's life. Where he actually came to visit the museum, and uh, the answer behind these things, like the answer behind UFOs, a lot of people they are connected. These, these creatures, uh, UFOs that can appear and disappear and go take off and, you know, with a blink of an eye, almost like when they just blink out, there is some kind of connection to these things amongst other phenomena as well. And in my opinion, the answer is so gigantic. It's so, it's not an easy answer. It's so upsetting. Uh, and it would be, it would be, it would, it would shake so much of the foundation of what we think is real and reality that it would, it really would. Uh, I think it was the, uh, I can't remember the name of the report that came out about UFOs where they said if people knew what was really going on, it would break down society. I didn't understand it then, but I understand it now. And, uh, you know, we got a pretty good thing going here. Right. You know, we have, we've got enough food on our plate. We've all got jobs. You know, we've got families. Um, it's not that bad here. And I just don't see the point of, like, tipping it, tipping the whole world upside down just so what? You get your five minutes of fame? Mm, yeah, I don't think so. Right. So you understand that? Yeah, yeah, I understand. I understand. Yeah. Now, looking, looking, so me and Cooney, we, we do a, a great deal of hunting. Yeah. Uh, and I, we've just got into hunting a good deal. Well, for the past six or seven years, we've hunted, uh, bear hunted the Chattahoochee National Forest. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that a lot of that place is real dense, got mountain laurels and different types of thickets that run in and out back through it. And, you know, that whole area up there, and, and I grew up coon hunting myself, running, running hounds. And, uh, you know, when a hound, David, gets on something else, I don't know if you've ever been coon hunted or talked to many people that run hounds. When they run something that, that isn't the game they're after, let's say they're after coons and they run a deer, they might say it's running fast trash. Or if it's running something that's in and out of a swamp, it's running water trash or something like that. Have you talked to anyone that's had it, any hounds that ran a big foot or come in. And I seen one exhibit in the museum that dealt with dogs. If you want to speak on it, you can. Uh, but they wasn't running the big foot. Have you dealt with anybody that's, you know, because I've, I've bought a dog one night and it not run, it run a bear and it's supposed to be running a coon. Uh -huh. 
Have, have you had any experience with anybody that says, hey, we had a pack of hounds that got on this Bigfoot? See, I'll tell you a couple of short stories about uh, hunters I've, I've met and the stories they've told. I talked to one that lives up on John's Mountain. And um, he called me, I don't know, five, six, year, five, six years ago, I guess. And uh, he called me because he he saw another one. And he had just seen one. And he said, he told me it was, he drives a chicken truck. And I think he um, lives over near Somerville. Right. And, yeah. it, and he drove by a white one on his way to work one morning, early in the morning. He said, the only reason I'm calling you is because I saw this one. But then I've got to tell you about my, when I saw one when I was 16 years old on John's Mountain. And uh, he said that he was hunting with his brother and his uncle. And his that uncle now is a pastor. And he said they were coon hunting up on John's Mountain. I'm, I'm guessing he was probably about in his mid-50s. So this would have been sometime in the 70s, I guess, early 70s maybe. Right. And he said we were the, he, told, he told me where exactly where they're at, but I can't remember where it was on John's Mountain. And he said we let our dogs out, and we were sitting by the truck, and the dogs weren't gone very long. And all of a sudden, we hear this screaming and hollering. And he said, we see our dogs running back to us. And they are out. You can see the dogs are hauling back. And behind the dogs is running this thing. This thing is chasing the dogs right back to the truck. He said, the dogs beat this thing. And they said, the dogs ran, jumped into the bed of the truck. And when my, when, uh, there, his uncle had first seen it. He jumped into the bed of the tr- into the cab of the truck, and he'd already started the truck. And as they're driving off, the dogs are trying to jam into the cages. They're trying to get away from this thing. They're trying to get back in their cages while the pickups t- taken off. And this thing is chasing the pickup truck. And he says, "My my," and, and they took off. I guess they lost the thing down the mountain. They came back the next day. And they're looking, and there's there's all the prints of this thing. There's the dog prints. They see all the the prints where this thing had run off, run up the hill to them. And the the oldest one, who I think was like 18, and the two kids were like teenagers, 15 and 14. He grabs a branch and he's he's messing off. He's taking off the footprints. He's he's obscuring the footprints. And the and the kid, the guy I'm talking to, he says, "What are you What are you doing?" He says, "If you ever talk about this thing." I'll never talk to you again. I'll tell them you're a liar. And, and, and even at that young age, he understood what the, what powerful thing he was dealing with. And now that that older kid now is a pastor, and he will never talk about it. He'll never talk about it. And then I spoke to two hunters, two separate hunters, who whose dog run up on a Bigfoot, thinking they had a coon uh, treed. And they come running up to the woods, and I know these dogs make different noises. Right. So I think probably what happened was the dog was banned like it was in pain or something. Right. And they run up to this dog, and the dog is at the feet of a Bigfoot barking and howling at this Bigfoot. It's just standing there. And they, both of these two different guys that didn't know each other a year apart told me that this thing looked right was looking at the guy the whole time. It wasn't even looking at the dog. And then just reached down and snatched that dog up. And ripped that dog in half and threw both halves at the hunter. Whoa. And uh, one of them, one of them was a grown man, and he was crying when he's telling me. He says, "You know, the worst part is I was only like 13 years old when this happened. So the worst part is that I, what I saw. I went back and told my parents and my family, and I was, and, and they didn't believe me. They said it was a bear. And he said, Jesus, I, I wasn't like five years old. I know what I saw. So he, so not only are they are they chained to this memory." 
but the, the people that they love and uh, respect still make fun of them after they saw it. And um, one of them was this with his son, and the son actually had to push his dad to tell him the story because the dad he's got a real he's got a real bad feeling, you know, with the family because they won't believe him. So that causes division in the family, which is again another reason people don't talk about it. And, and it's funny, you guys live in Paulding County. Just two, I worked Sunday. When did I work Sunday? Saturday. Work Saturday. I had this guy come in. They he lived there from Paulding County. And you guys probably don't know this, but Paulding County is a very, I get lots of reports out of Paulding County. There's a lot of reports in in books uh, of Paulding County. I've had families come to the museum and tell me that they've shot at these things because they keep coming around the kids. There's whole, there's like towns, like clans of family there that know they're there. And they, they but they, 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 they're trying to protect the kids from these things. It seems like they have an attraction to the kids. And uh, so anyway, I just talked to this guy on Saturday and I said, where are you all from? He said, Paulding County. And he says, I'll tell you something. And I thought he was a skeptic, but I think he was filling me out. He says, this guy I hunt with, I used to hunt with, where he, we were hunting, and he told me where it was somewhere in Paulding County. And he says, uh, he saw one of these things hunting one day, clear as, clear as day, walked right in front of his stand off into the woods, and he come running out of there, and he came back to my house, running to my house, and told me all out of breath what he saw. And uh, he said he quit hunting for a long time, and now he does hunt, but he will not hunt anywhere near that area anymore. He gave me his name. I gave him my card. I said, I want to talk to him. Give me a call. I want to get his description of it. So yeah. when you guys said Paulding County, um, oh, my God, there's so many sightings. I have a book in there called Weird Georgia. And there's talks about a whole family about having years of experiences with them in Paulding County. Really? Well, say on the north, the northern part of the county, we've got a a WMA, and there's thousands of acres up there that that uh, basically run in between the mountain, which is Brazel Mountain, and it it basically that land goes all the way really to Taylorsville Highway 113. I don't know if you're familiar with the area. Not but, really, but but that is a large especially for the suburbs of metro atlanta that is probably the closest big track of la land i would guess oh. that that is to metro atlanta on this side of the state the western side so i'd say right. if you're coming up 278 out of off interstate 20 once you get to paulden county especially the northern end of the counties where the really big woods start again right um so i mean I, I could see it up there you see what i'm saying so let let's say let's say cooney's sitting here and now cooney wants to be a a squatcher or a bigfoot investigator what 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 is what is something somebody looks for so so we're talking about from from everything you've told me these 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 are intelligent life forms i mean they're yeah. they're able to evade humans they're able to evade uh, dogs, uh, cars, uh, to the best of their ability. I'm, I'm assuming they're so intelligent that they're that they're probably even bathing. You know what I mean? Um, how, how does how does somebody look for a Bigfoot without just walking up in the stereotypical thing? Look at the print of this foot. How how does somebody go about doing that? I'll tell you, what, that's such a good question because 
it, it, because that has morphed. It, it, that has morphed in, in my life where, man, I, I, I'll tell you, Cornbread, I have dragged my wife into the swamps of Florida for days. We've been snake. We, she's been struck out a couple times on poisonous snakes. And uh, we've walked across gator-infested waters to try to get to our car before dark. We've had cameras. I'm, I'm talking about years, man, we've been out and looking for these things. seems like when you go out looking for them, more often than not, you just you come up empty-handed. And, and you know they were, they've been spotted there. And if they were a normal creature like a bear or deer, you think your possibilities of finding these things would be a lot better than they really are. And when you finally do have an uh, uh, interaction with one, it could be just you hear a howl or you hear a wood knock or a whistle or a click or it's a shadow. And you might wait 10 years to get that cornbread, just that little that little glimpse of one. But in reality, what have you learned from all those years of looking for it? And then you finally see it 10 years have gone by and now you know they're real. But you really kind of knew they were real beforehand. So if you really want to understand what these things are and their capabilities are, what you really need to do is you've got to get yourself in front of as many witnesses as you can. If you just want to find one, that can take a long, long time and a lot of money and a lot of time camping out in the woods, a lot of rained out nights and poisonous snakes and bears and mosquito bites and tick bites. I'm saying there's just a lot of things that can happen. But if you really want to, you really want to get a punch in the mouth with a reality, go out there and start talking to hunters. Go out there and start talking, meeting, put out there that anybody's seen a Bigfoot report, I want you to come to me. I'm writing a book on it. I'm writing a paper in my school. And don't let, if they think for a second that you're going to laugh at them or you're going to write something that's uh, hysterically funny or you're going to ridicule them, they won't tell you. But if they earnestly think that you want to hear their story and they can come to you and tell you the story, my goodness, you're going to learn more in a year than you can learn in a lifetime looking for these things. Because some people have these accidental runs in with them, just long extended periods of run-ins where they see these things. Some people will watch it for 15, 20 minutes and they'll tell you what they saw. And uh, that'll really blow your mind. So I think the real payoff in, in Bigfoot research is getting in front of as many witnesses as you can. Make yourself available. You, I, If you saw a Bigfoot, I want to know. You tell me. Don't be afraid. I want to know. And a lot of people want to get it off their chest. But, man, they won't tell you if they think you're going to laugh at them. If they already know that you think these things aren't real, you could have dinner with a buddy for years man and if he thinks you think bigfoot's a fake a big joke he'll never tell you about his story and and uh that's a fact right so if i go out if i was to go outside right now and start looking for a bigfoot would i need to start somewhere that's very thick or heavily wooded or somewhere that's got more open space or what's like the habitat of a bigfoot um you'd think it'd be way out in the remote areas right and people do have interactions with them out remote camping way 20, uh, 20 miles from the nearest town. And then you got people over there in um, Rabin County, Clayton, Georgia, that they're looking in their windows at them early in the morning while they're cooking breakfast, bacon and eggs for the kids. So and, and most people see these things within the city limits, within the small town, driving to work at night, standing in front of their front of their yard in Morganton, Georgia. 
uh, a big white one, a nurse saw one working in Georgia. They'd come on your farm and kill all your chickens over two nights and squeeze the bodies, but never pull in a feather and just lay them out in some kind of strange round pattern. They might kill your cow. I mean, so you think if we were looking for just a normal animal, yes, like a bear, I could tell you to go hunt a bear. I could tell you to go find a deer. Uh, put some corn out. Uh, go to a place, you know, plants a lot of corn. You'll find deer there. But these things run the whole gambit. They turn up all over the place, running alongside of highways in the middle of the night, with scared out of their mind, uh, trying to get away from the traffic. So yeah, there's no easy, there's no easy place to tell you where to go to find them. I'm just telling you, the witnesses are telling me when you put pins out, they're all over the place, which is another reason that they're not what we're being told they are they're not a rare thing that that's hiding down at night in the swamps there there's something else is going on so anywhere you in paulding county um as a matter of fact i think in uh, uh in that book we're georgia i think it tells you whereabouts in paulding county this this family you're in your county they're in your county you don't have to go very far uh the answer is i don't know where to tell you to go look for them if I knew where to find them, 100% or 50% of the time, I'd go out there. I got 12 cameras out. I've got cameras for for years and years. I've had cameras out in places where they should be. Haven't got a picture of a Bigfoot yet, so I couldn't tell you where to go find one. Hmm. So so, all right. So let's say Cooney was to find a Bigfoot. Cooney's out there and he comes across a Bigfoot. He's out there hunting by himself. From your experience and the and the people you've talked to, so we're talking about an animal, a, a being that is really intelligent. So so there's a line now between instinct and attitude. Is uh, you know, people say if you see a bear, look big, holler whoa bear, whoa bear. Mm-hmm. Have you come across anyone that's been attacked? By Bigfoot. Now I know. I remember you telling me uh, you had one push a tree. Uh, I mean, do you think it was pushing a tree to, to push the tree on you? Uh, nope. uh, have you come across anyone that's that's been attacked? You was talking about a false charge. Has anybody got the real deal charge? Yeah. So I, I talked to. I interviewed a guy. Actually, it's, it's on our Facebook page. He, he. I think he was in Gwinnett County, and this would have been back at the late 70s the dates in there and everything he came we interviewed him and uh the short story is when he was a kid he would run to the store his parents lived in Gwinnett County he would go over this run through this little stream and he would instead of going over the bridge he would go under the bridge I think there was some kind of a some kind of a shortcut he would take and uh he would run the store get his parents cigarettes and he was coming back and somebody go they get a pack of gum and he'd run back and as he was coming Oh, he was coming over the this little walk bridge, and he could hear some splashing around in the water. And he, but he was running. He was trying to get back to the house, and I think it was dark. It was dark. And he says as he runs off the bridge, he can as he's running, and he can hear this thing come out of the water. And it's like he can hear the thump, 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 thump coming behind him. He says, "I turn around, and this thing is coming out of the water." He said, when I was like 15, he said, I was fast, man. I, I think he said he played football or something. He said, I, I could run track. I was fast. And I had a good 50 feet, 50 feet or 50 yards ahead of this thing. 
He said, within 10 of my steps, this thing was on top of me. He said, I was running, and all of a sudden I could feel this hand come. He said, the hand was so big, and it grabbed my shoulder. The fingers were like down on my chest. That's how big the hand was. And this thing, and all of a sudden I find myself up in the air, and this thing is holding me over its head. And he said, just as it's, just as it's got me over its head, this car light pulls in, like takes a corner and lights him and this thing up fully lit up on it with the headlights and that's when it oh no that's right he said it threw him and that's it started to walk towards him and then the headlights hit it and lit it up and the light it did not like the light it put its hands up in front of its eyes and then turned he said as i'm sitting there watching i'm laying on the ground after it threw me like 50 feet as a as i'm watching it the, it, the headlights hit it it turned and he said within like five steps this thing was already back in the water he said it moved faster than any human could fast huge strides but the light absolutely did not like the light and uh that's what it headed back into the into the water right after he ran back to his house and they called the police police came he said they they, they interviewed me they they took pictures of my shirt uh, the bruises were there the next morning. They went there when it happened. They cast tracks. And he said he gave me the, the date. And I don't remember if he gave me the officer's name, but I, he, I think he might have had it written down or something. But he said on my 18th birthday, when I was old enough, I went back down to me so much and I wanted to learn more. He said on my 18th birthday, I went down to the police station to get that. And he said, they said, uh, what's the name? What's the date? Yeah, we don't have anything. He said, what are you talking about? You came to my house. They said, yeah, we don't have anything here. There's no record of any kind of a police call. And he went back and told his parents, and, and they said, how can you not have a record? There were police cars here. You went down, casted tracks. You interviewed my, took pictures of them. So, yeah, it does happen. People do get uh, picked up and hurt. People get killed by some of these. And, and, and the answer is that they're not all the same kind of attitude. Some of them, I talked to a ginseng hunter over in Somerville, who a female was trying to warn him to get his butt out of there because the other ones were in the woods. And he could tell that she was trying to help him. You need to get out of here right now. And he took off. By the time he got back to his car, he was throwing up. And it, and it occurred to him what she was doing. She was actually saving his life. So some of these things don't like us. Some of these things really, really don't like us and probably have a taste for us. And some of these things take some kind of pity on us. And um, so it's, it's very complex how each one of these feel about humans. Now, I don't want to make light of anybody getting lost in the woods by any means. I pray for them and their family. Do, do you think there's you know a missing hiker that's never been found? Things of that nature that it's a possibility that it could have something to do with a Bigfoot? Undoubtedly. Okay. Cooney, what do you think about Bigfoot now? Um, I'm still a little skeptical on it. I don't know. David. Yeah. Early writings, early history, before social media come and blew up uh, the Native Americans, is there anything – the way you articulated – your faith and the correlation with this Bigfoot. How could a young man such as Cooney look look into this? Do you have any books off the top of your head? Uh, anything that you read early on, seen early on? Um, anything off the top of your head? 
if you want to talk about something that you know about the Native Americans, well, I know there's a lot of documented things with the Native Americans uh, and Bigfoot. Uh, one of the most uh, – there's so many great books out there that talk about Bigfoot in the 1800s. A lot of them are newspaper clippings um, uh, about uh, the giants and the – oh, my God. There's so many newspaper clippings about giants, and then they're setting posses out to hunt these things back in the 1800s really when our press our newspapers came to light were in the 1800s that's when we invented the press so that's why we think there that there's so many sightings back in the 1800s but they were back in the 1700s we just didn't have newspapers back then we didn't have formal ways to share these things with each other right. so um i would probably say as far as books go they, these things have been seen since the beginning right? right i've got i've got giant footprints that i'm going to be um I shouldn't even say that. So let's just say I've got things that I'm going to share with uh, in a new museum, getting ready to build. But uh, I'm going to keep it vague enough that, uh, like, I don't get myself in a ringer, right? And right. these junk footprints they've been found out found out in Texas, so it's no big secret. So, right. um, but one, I think one of the best books, my favorite books to ever read, to give you an insight as to what we're dealing with, is to read a book by Tom Powell, T H O M. Powell, a hero called the locals and uh he's actually a re he's now retired he was a science teacher high school science teacher out in oregon and when when their kids were asking him in class about bigfoot he was like that's pseudoscience it's 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 not real they can't be real and coming from a scientific mind he has a very good point why they can't be real we would have mountains of bones if they were real but anyway so he goes on it, it, it's, it's not a very long book. He goes into about, I'm going to show you how these things are not real. I'm going to go out and go looking for these things. And I'm going to prove to his class that these things aren't real. Well, he went out and started doing night investigations on his own, doing wood knocks and things. And strange things started to happen to him that he could not explain. And then when some of the, when the, some of the personnel that work at the school, some of the faculty found out, they started coming to him with their with their Bigfoot stories, and he was taken aback because these are people he knew for a long time, and all of a sudden now they're telling him about his Bigfoot stories, and some of the stuff that he shares in there about it happened to him. He went from a skeptic trying to teach his high school kids that this is absolute baloney to writing one of the most important books out there on Bigfoot because some of the things that his faculty told him – Gives, gave finally gave me the clue as to what we're actually dealing with here and it's something that's beyond our understanding because as we all went to school we were not given the tools to understand it's not that we're dumb or uh it's just that we were we've been woefully unprepared to deal with this kind of information so um, um did you catch my did you catch my drift yeah yeah absolutely you can't understand it's, we're like trying to navigate to Mars with the uh, directions on a uh, old toaster. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. We, we, we're, we're not given the directions. We're not given the, the correct information to understand this. And they've and it's uh, it's on purpose in my in my opinion. They want you just smart enough to get a job and pay your taxes, no. not figure these things out. <laughs> right, right. I know what you mean. So so back to the Bigfoot attack if if somebody sees a bigfoot like i said they whoa bear whoa bear bear spray what what what's your what's your suggestion 
Well, you're going to know pretty quick what you're dealing with because everybody I've ever talked to knew within five seconds what the intention of this thing was going to be. And it wasn't like a whole lot of time to like uh, chase out a plan. So either A, this thing just tilted its head and looked at me and I realized in a, in a moment that it was not going to hurt me. That's what I hear the most is this thing just looks at me as I'm shocked standing with my mouth agape. It just turns its head to the sides and regards me kind of like uh, something would look at me in just wonderment. You know, I was like, what are you thinking? What, 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 what? Just kind of curious, just tilts his head to the side. That's most of the way to get up. And then, and then it just kind of backs up and turns and walks off into the woods. So there's no, there's no feeling of intimidation. As a matter of fact, what usually happens is you're absolutely, even though you have a lot of fear, it, it didn't leave you with a, a feeling of dread where, you know, you want to learn more about it, let's just say. Right, right. And then, then you got the uh, uh, plan or the um, uh, interaction B where this thing is looking at you and you can tell it doesn't like you. And uh, it just turns and just shakes his head. He goes, just shakes it off like it, like a, like you're a bad taste in its mouth. And, you, and you're stuck with you, – you get a strike of real fear. You're seeing something that you shouldn't see. And it bothers you to the soul, right? It bothers you. You're like, dang, how can this thing be? It's so big. It moves so fast. And it was so quiet when it walked off. And, and and you have this instant, you have a fear of, you're not sure if you want to see another one again, but you want to learn about it. And then you have instant C, where this thing is looking at you like it hates you, like it absolutely hates you. And it's snarling at you and it's growling at you. And it's growling so deep that your chest is vibrating. And you, as a grown man, you're embarrassed to say it, but you soil your pants and you're frozen. You can't move. And you realize that the gun you're holding is not – you're just going to make it mad that you're 30-06 or your handgun is so big that you're, you're not going to shoot it. You're afraid to even raise it because you know this thing is about to tear your head and your arms and legs off like a fly. And instead, it just turns and walks off. And you're so horrified. You never want to see another one again. You never want to talk about it again. You don't want to learn about these things again. You go in your bedroom and you shut your door and you and you pile the couches and furniture up against your front door and you sleep for a week and you get fired from your job because you're afraid to go to work and you can't stop talking about it to your wife and she's sick of hearing it because she didn't see it and she thinks she's lost your mind and up two years later you find yourself divorced and and unemployed and it ruins your life so that's that's kind of the three scenarios that you run into and it could be either one it really depends on which bigfoot which kind of a bigfoot you run into wow so if i know I, all those people i've met all of them right right if i was to go outside tomorrow and get attacked by a bigfoot or my dog get ate up by a bigfoot or something who would be the correct people to contact to let know? Because it sounds as if I contact any type of government official or government agency, it'll never be heard about ever again. You're going to get swept under the rug. Yeah. That's a fact. So who would be the correct people to notify? David. Who would be the correct person to talk to? <laughs> well, so, and, 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 and to, you're right. Don't even bother calling. Unless somebody in your family is missing, then you're going to contact if it takes somebody or something's been happening all of a sudden one of your kids is missing of course you got to call the government and, and they they're going to know pretty quick 
what they're dealing with. They have special agencies that they understand what's going on. They're not going to tell you, but uh, they'll all anyway. Um, so, or you can contact uh, if you're okay. You can contact a uh, any number of Bigfoot research organizations. You're really going to be lucky if they ever get back to you because they're so backed up on calls already. Not, I hear a lot of complaints. Kind of called me a year ago, but you don't understand that Bigfoot investigator. He's got 17 in front of you, five that he hasn't got to, two that he's waiting for callbacks, and you call, and you think I'm going to call you tomorrow. I'm in the middle of going out in the woods and checking cameras. He's already, there's so much going on already. He isn't time to drop what he's doing to go to talk to you. Um, the best thing you can probably do is, um, I would say honestly. Oh my goodness. I, I want to say call me because I'm not going to come to your house. I'm, I'm not going to put cameras because I've already heard all this a hundred times. I just want to note the information and share it to people so they can they can get – they know they're not crazy and they can take precautions so this doesn't happen again. Um, other than me, I really don't know if you were ever attacked. Well, I really wouldn't know who you should talk to. Hmm. Um, you, you, a lot of people want to be rock stars. I don't want to be a rock star. I, I don't want to have what? a TV show. Oh. It, well, you know, just like you said, a lot of people want to be rock stars talking about the Bigfoot investigators being backed up. How, how many do you feel of the reports aren't a Bigfoot that, A, it's either somebody wanting to be a rock star or it does turn out to be a bear or somebody's mind was playing tricks on them? Um, i tell you something. When people drive all the museum, I have got a few, I mean, like a handful where, uh, and, and people send me recordings all the time of coyotes and owls. And, it, and I just tell them, look, that's a coyote. That's an owl. And then I send them recording of a coyote and owl to back it up. That's what you heard. That's what that strange noise is. City folks like to go camping and they hear barred owls and they hear coyotes or a whole group of them. Uh, so they get confused. They know what they're hearing. So, but, a lot of the people that I talk to have had daylight sightings. It's not um, so, so quickly. Very few, I think, are uh, a bear. Um, most people, if they're going to come out and tell somebody, uh, their description of it to me is not a bear. If people just hear something a little strange or get a flash of fur, I don't pay a lot of attention to that because it's it's too subjective. Right. But uh, I, I focus on people that have had clear sightings and have, of course, cast prints and have something to back it up with. So not too many are um, – are, uh, it's easy to think that it is, but most people that take the time to tell you a story, they don't want to tell you a bear story or something that might be. They want to get something off their chest, and it's usually a substantial sighting. Right. Well, Cooney, uh, David, I think you have done a really well job of explaining everything that you know on Bigfoot. Can you have a qu any more questions for David? I don't believe so. So, I, I would like, I, I, I can't express to you enough, David, how much I enjoyed the museum. Uh, I want people to be able to go check your museum out. We're going we're gonna to attach your website to the show notes of this episode. In leaving, is there anything that you would want somebody to know either about the museum and and or Bigfoot that that is skeptical or that it is a believer? You want to leave the people with something? 
Uh, I wouldn't. It, it wouldn't be about the museum. It, it's, it's not about. Uh, I think what it is that anybody that hears us, if they have seen one, you're you're not alone. There's so many good people out there that have seen these things. Um, don't be afraid to give to give me a call or give an investigator area a call. It's so important to get the information out so we can help other people that have ongoing experiences on their own property. A lot of people are they're confused. They don't know what they're dealing with. So the more information we can we can uh, we get we can add to the volumes of what we know already and, and it's really about helping other people so um and to the skeptics like i don't really care i don't try trying to uh, i'm never trying to convince anybody anymore that these things are real right. because most most of it's coming from a place of fear and i totally get it i tell people all the time hey hey what can i do to convince my brother-in-law they're real just don't stop don't talk to him about it just quit um, it, it's coming from a place of fear. Nobody wants to think these things are real. I totally understand. So, um, and but if you are interested, there are so many great uh, uh, videos out there. I like Steve Ishtal's How to Hunt. He's a hunter that saw one. I uh, used to think the whole thing was silly, and he's got one of the one of the biggest YouTube channels. It's How to Hunt, and uh, he touches on a lot of uncomfortable things that people need to know about these things. So. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, and it takes you into places that you never thought you'd go to. But uh, I'd never look back. I'd, I'd never change anything. That's right. I, like I said, I really enjoyed the museum, David. I'll, I'll definitely – I got to get Cooney up there, but I will definitely be coming back. And it's right there off 515 in Blue Ridge, Georgia. And we're going to uh, attach all y'all's information on the show notes of these episode, this episode here. Cooney, I guess if you don't have anything else. I believe that's all. David, you did an awesome job. Once again, thank you for the service for this country. I appreciate you coming on here and talking about Bigfoot and your the museum. Um, I really appreciate your time. Good to be here, and God bless you both and your family. All right, God bless you, David. We'll holler at y'all. Thank you.